From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. Welcome back to episode number 11 of the Cannabis Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. I'm glad you dropped on by. We've got an exciting show lined up for you today. Going to talk about a whole bunch of things, and I am sufficiently imbibed with the sample that we're going to be exploring a little bit later on in this episode. <laughs> and as you might be able to tell, it's got me all ready to go. This week, I'm going to jump on another bandwagon after we had a discussion earlier, a couple of episodes ago, maybe even been last time, about removing marijuana from our vocabulary. I've been paying attention, folks. I have heard the similar discussion about the term strains. Everybody saying, well, we shouldn't be calling them strains anymore because they really aren't. These strains within cannabis. I agree. I have, I have understood the message. And now I agree with the proponents who say we should use more appropriate language. So you and I will spend a little bit of time talking about the term cultivar or cultivated varieties. There's also chemivar. And I'm going to probably pick cultivar just because to me that makes more sense. We'll chat about that. Now that we've raised the subject of cultivars, we have another cultivar explained this week. I'm going to have to see if I can get my musicologist to fix my jingle because it does still say strain, but it sounds so good. We're going to do another Broken Coast variety this week, Quadra. Broken Coast really likes the islands off the west coast of BC. We've done Galliano. This week we're doing Quadra, and then we've got Gabriola, I think, coming up in the next couple of weeks. So Quadra is an indica that I'm looking forward to tasting, and in fact, I have already tasted it, as I have indicated, but you'll hear more of that when we get to the cultivar explain. We also cannot ignore the absolutely absurd advertising that came out from the Quebec government this week. I don't know if you have seen these yet. <laughs> if you have, you were probably just as amazed as all of us were. They clearly are not in favor of cannabis legalization in Quebec, at least the Quebec government is not. If you haven't seen them yet, you have got to go take a peek at it. I will describe them a little bit later on. Bizarre. Takes you right back to reefer madness. No, in fact, they are worse than reefer madness. Also, as the polar vortex has moved its way across our country, all the way east, and now it's worked its way west, so we're experiencing a bit of it this week. Those temperatures, though, are starting to make people think that spring can't be too far off. And if spring can't be too far off, then it can't be too far off before you start thinking about those four cannabis plants you might be growing this year. Except, of course, if you're in Manitoba and Quebec. We'll talk a little bit about the growing season and some things to look out for for that. That is what's coming up for you on episode number 11 of the Cannabis Podcast. So as mentioned in the introduction, we want to talk a little bit about terminology or lack thereof. In other words, using the right terminology. I've already expressed my opinion, and you've heard it, about marijuana, that we should be calling it cannabis. And there are many others expressing different opinions that we should stop using the term strains to describe different varieties of cannabis. Cultivar is being suggested as the new word to describe cannabis strains. And my thanks to Harry Resin and CannabisNow.com that's where I dug up this information and we'll be quoting some of the article from Harry. As cannabis becomes more mainstream, 
He says it's important that we understand how the various types of cannabis affect the body and how they're classified. To begin with, we should clean up our terminology. The word strain, as Harry says, is borrowed from microbiology and is used to describe a genetic variant or subtype of a bacteria, fungus, or a virus. A more appropriate term to use for plants would be cultivar, which refers to cultivated plants. The word originates directly from the term cultivated variety and is widely used in crop sciences. It's used to describe a subtaxon of a species, so in the case of cannabis, for example, that would be applicable to describing the various crosses breeders make today. Usually a cultivar is regenerated from a clone, but that's not always the case with all forms of agriculture. In many instances, seeds are used. However, due to the amateur nature of most breeding projects and lack of resources, you'll typically find many variations or phenotypes. In more mature agricultural industries, you'll find that seed breeds true, meaning that you'll get 100% uniformity in your crops. Harry is also proposing a re-examination of the terms sativa, indica, and hybrid. He says from a purely morphological perspective, the best terms to use are thin-leaf drug varietal, which would be sativas, and broadleaf drug varietal, to describe those formerly known as sativa and indicas. However, he suggests this is only a start and uses leaf morphology as a defining characteristic. Instead of looking at these terms as a form of classification for effect, we should in fact be looking at each individual plant's chemical profiles and grouping them according to cannabinoids and terpenes. Now that makes a whole lot of sense to me. Those are the factors that actually mitigate the high, the chemical fingerprints of each cultivar. Now, because the plant has been so outcrossed and intermixed, relying on terpenes and cannabinoids would offer both medical and recreational users a better view of how each cultivar actually affected them. As we know, the high is modulated by the synergy that the terpenes have with the cannabinoids. And this, according to researchers, is what makes the plant and its constituents so special. And I agree with so much of that talked about before the fact that I expressed the desire to have some standardization of terpene profiles, for example. When we're looking on, like, for example, bccannabisstores.com, almost all of the cultivars <laughs> featured on that site at some point list a terpene profile, but not all of them do. And to Harry's point here, I think it would make a whole lot of sense if the cultivar we were describing was more closely related to not only the cannabinoids, but also the terpenes that are interacting with those cannabinoids. So that is why we are now going to be talking about cultivars rather than strains. And I put the link in the episode notes so that you can check that out for yourself. There's a whole lot more information about cultivars, but that's enough for our purposes. As mentioned a couple times now, I'm going to have to go talk to Ian and see if I can get him to redo my jingle. I still haven't figured out where the rhyme is going to be there, but he may surprise me. So that is why we should stop calling them cannabis strains. We should refer to them as a cultivar. And now it's probably time to take a look at one of those cultivars. THC, CBD, let's talk about the chemistry. Explain that strain. Here we are with new terminology. I've done my education. I've been paying attention. I've been listening, and we will try not to use the term strain anymore when we're referring to the particular cultivar that we're talking about. Now, it's difficult to get my jingle changed <laughs> because explain that strain 
just has a real nice ring to it instead of explain that cultivar. But let's put that aside for a moment. We're here today to look at a cultivar, and I'm pretty excited about this one, actually. This is going back to when we did our first look at some Broken Coast cultivar. That was at that time, I believe, Gabriola Island. Broken Coast seems to do a lot of work with the islands off the coast of BC. At least that's the nomenclature they're using. We started with Gabriola. We're going to take a look at Quadra here. And I think we've got another one, and I just can't remember the name of it, and I don't have it in front of me right now. But but they seem to like the islands off the west coast of British Columbia. Quadra is the cultivar we are looking at today. Oh, boy, does that smell good. Now I remember it was actually not Gabriola we looked at last time. It was Galliano. Gabriola is another one that I have on tap for us to take a peek over the next few weeks. But today, this, oh, beautiful smell is Quadra, an indica dominant from Broken Coast. And as I take my first peek at the buds, oh, nice size, very well trimmed. And exceptionally well trimmed, just a little stub on the bottom of each of the buds. This one gram package that we got, better packaged, again in terms of size, and there are three rather large buds that are making up this one gram. So I'm impressed so far. That's a good start. Quadra Headband is an indica dominant strain named after Quadra Island on the West Coast, which we've already talked about. This strain, or as we've now realized the proper term, this cultivar, produces exceptionally dense, frosty purple flowers. I'm seeing a bit of purple in there. Not a ton of purple. Oh yeah, there's in the second bud, I guess it has a bit more purple than the first one. The smoke is thick with a deep kush flavor and notes of mandarin zest. The buds are hand-harvested to maintain quality trichomes, and that's one of the things I've been impressed with, with Broken Coast. Their hand-harvesting seems to do a better job of maintaining the delicacy of the buds. The last one we did last week with Ocean View, it just literally crumbled in my fingers. And I'm now pressing on one of the buds here to see if this is still the same. No, this is nice. This is going to take some grinding for me to be able to roll that joint. So hang on a minute and let me take care of that. As I start to break apart this bud, I again have to comment on how impressed I am. This is a very densely packed bud. It does need some grinding to break it up. Mm, the aromas are becoming a little more prevalent as I break that up. So while my hands carry on with the task of rolling that joint, they're almost done. Let me give you the other details on Quadra from Broken Coast. We've kind of already established that it is Broken Coast who's the producer of it. It is a BC product. It is grown indoor and it is hand harvested. And I'm starting to pay more attention to that hand harvest piece because that was not part of what we looked at last week with the ocean view. It did not say hand harvested. I suspect it wasn't just by the fact that it was very poorly trimmed and had a lot of breakup. This beautiful looking buds looks really nice. Now, what does it contain? Well, the THC on this 0.58% is the single bud value. And then after decarboxylation, we are looking at a total THC value of 18.1%. 
That's getting up there into the range that I like. Anything above 15, up to 20, generally what I'm looking for these days, it seems. The CBD in this particular cultivar is very low. CBD is 0.04%. So it is predominantly the THC that I'm interested in, this indica. The terpenes that are associated with this particular strain, or, ah, darn, it slipped out again, associated with this particular cultivar, Caryophylline, which we have seen a lot, there is 0.18% of caryophylline. The limonene is 0.15%, and the linalool is 06 to 0.1%. And as we spoke about last time, we talked about linalool. That is the terpene that gives you a bit of a calm effect. Adding the caryophylline and the limonene, a little bit of the citrus. That's the mandarin that they're talking about. Let's light this up and see what our ash is like, and more importantly, let's see what the effect is like. Mmm. I love it when the taste you get when you first pop open the package and you smell that first bud, and then it kind of relates to the joint that you're smoking. You kind of get the same taste and the same flavor. Except apparently I didn't give enough fire to this guy yet. I got to fire it up again to get my second hit. But I like that first taste. I do get a, a hint of that mandarin or, or an orange kind of flavor. Did I pack this joint too tight? <laughs> I might be a victim of my own diligence here. Let me just get this fired up again. I should be able to take a hit now. Okay, folks, I got to go back to the table here and uh, fix my joint. Okay, I don't give up easily. You may have gotten that impression already. Here's the fire going on, our Broken Coast Quadra, and I'm going to get my first really nice big hit right now. Mmm, that's better. Smooth, no harshness to it. I look at the ash that's coming off of the end, and I got a touch of, touch of darker ash right at the very tip. But after that, the ash is pretty white, Hangs on fairly well. Drops off when it should. <laughs> I clearly rolled this joint too tight. I have to fire it up with a flame in between each of my tokes. I'll get better at this. Eventually, I'm going to learn how to do this properly. Okay. That was my third hit. And... Almost immediately, I'm starting to feel my happy eyes. I was really saving this one because I wanted the effect to be a little bit stronger, so I've laid off of anything prior to this today, and that in itself is a big deal for me, and perhaps for you as well. But I am really enjoying what it's doing for me now. Mm. So, it's an indica. So I'm not feeling a whole lot of energy. I don't feel like I want to go out and mow the lawn or anything like that. Of course, it's too freaking cold here right now to go out and do anything like that. But it is making me feel very, very relaxed. I love the, the euphoria that's coming along with it. And the calmness. It's just making me feel really good. I love the taste. Mm, very nice. Quadra. Another winner, I would say. From Broken Coast, 
And we'll just see how that rolls around in my head throughout the rest of the episode. And hopefully it doesn't send me off to sleepy by before the end of the, the time we are spending together today. But I would suggest that Broken Coast has done it again. Their Quadra, Indica Dominant, very nice taste. I love the effect. I think I'll be going back for more. From the cannabis-infused studio in the clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. And now to the absurd part of the episode. <laughs> and I mean total absurdity. I couldn't believe it when I first saw these ads that came out this last week from the Quebec government, an awareness campaign for cannabis. And Twitter was all a Twitter with the various pictures and the various reactions and photoshops that accompanied these various pictures. If you have not seen them yet, I have attached a link to the article that I'm using for this so you can take a peek at them. And my thanks to civilized.life for that because they've had this great article. <laughs> and in fact, they have one of these ads right at the top of the article. Quebec's bizarre new cannabis ads, as they say, are reefer madness for the Photoshop era. And I would have to say that I think these are way beyond reefer madness. I mean, reefer madness projected the image that, you know, when you smoked marijuana, you were going to go, your brain was going to melt and you were going to die almost. <laughs> these, I don't know what the heck they're trying to say. Take a look at it. You'll get an understanding of why I say that. Quebec seems to be, uh, quoting from this article from Civilized.life, Quebec seems to be on this mission to brand itself as the most anti-marijuana province in Canada. Since legalization happened last fall, Quebec's anti-cannabis agenda has included a plan to push the legal age of consumption up from 18 to 21, introducing a specialized police force to enforce cannabis laws and banning all products that depict a marijuana leaf. <laughs> Bizarre. Totally bizarre. But now the article goes on in the province's effort, latest effort to broadcast its disdain for cannabis. Quebec has released a new and very weird educational ad campaign. <laughs> and there's, you just have to laugh at these to think that anybody thinks these are going to work. As you can see from the images attached to this article, the ads feature bizarrely photoshopped images of young people with things like insanely long eyelashes and ears growing out of the tops of their heads. Of course, we all understand that that's a concern with cannabis. But perhaps the strangest thing is that they're not saying this is what happens when you smoke cannabis. The wording in the ads is, I think, even more bizarre than the images because the ads state, there's no way cannabis can do this. But the risks are real. And nowhere in the ad do they list what any of those risks might be. And it's followed up with another piece of text that says, it's not worth the risk. I mean, these are totally bizarre. You really have to take a look at it. You see the, the hair coming out of the ears. Uh, or uh, Yeah, hair coming out of the ears. Also eyes. There's one girl who has ears at the top of her head. And of course, this incredibly giraffe-like neck. Oh, bizarre. Now, they did back this up with some valid information that they put on an accompanying website, but of course, they didn't put a link to that accompanying website in any of the ads. And the website has some valid warnings. It warns people that cannabis can have some negative impacts on things like memory functioning, your ability to drive, increasing your heart rate, and anxiety. 
Now, of course, those are real symptoms that some people may experience while consuming cannabis. So, valid to include them in the campaign, probably about the only validity in the campaign. But at the same time, it's kind of strange that there's no link to the website in the ads. So, as the article says, that means the information that's actually useful to young Canadians is left off the centerpieces of the campaign for some reason. So, while the grotesque ads succeed in catching the eye of passerby, they don't do enough to grab the hearts and minds of their target audience. I think they're going to fall on, shall we say, deaf ears, but not like the kind of ears you see in one of those ads. <laughs> Apparently, the Premier of Quebec does not like cannabis and does not want to encourage its use, so they are doing everything they can to discourage the use of cannabis. And of course, Quebec is also one of the provinces where you cannot grow your own cannabis. Now, isn't that an incredible segue? I just added the term grow your own cannabis, and now let's talk about growing your own cannabis. We're looking forward to growing our four plants this year. Well, we're really looking forward to it because we we did a test run last year. When legalization was first announced, and the original date of July 1st of 2018 was put out as the date that it was going to be legalized, Canada Day, everybody was all pumped up about it, I especially. At that point, our plan was set. I had obtained some seeds from some cannabis that I had consumed. Didn't know if the seeds were viable or not. Turns out, they were. We germinated three, and all three of them developed quite nicely, thank you. We started them in some pots in the house, and then come springtime, we put them out into our garden. As I've mentioned before, at least I think I have, incredible soil, so things grow really, really well. My wife is very, very successful in all of her garden produce. We put them into the garden, in the middle of the garden, and the first thing we learned was, boy, do they take up a lot of space. And boy, do those stalks ever get thick. <laughs> those three plants, and the funny thing I found about them, as they grew, when they were in the house, there was one that was really, really strong, and one about the midway. It was kind of like the three bears. And then there was one that was kind of tiny and scraggly. Well, it turned out that that scraggly little guy turned out to be the biggest plant. They turned out to be sativas. We knew that because they grew to be nine feet tall, and they had very thin leaves, and just the way the bud structure developed, it was definitely sativa. And based on the effect that they have, it also was definitely sativa. So we took a dry run last year, not realizing, of course, that they changed the date on us. Our plants were in the ground when suddenly it wasn't July 1st anymore. <laughs> now, they were not visible from the public. They were perhaps visible from the back alley if you took a peek as you were walking down it. And that actually was the undoing of one of the plants at the end of the year, but I'll get to that. So we started those plants. They were growing incredibly well. As I say, they got to be nine feet tall. We had to chop them down so they weren't too obvious. And then they changed the date. Now it was October 17th. Well, because of the growing cycle here in the Okanagan Valley, that meant that uh, legalization was going to happen right around the time the buds were ready, which I thought was kind of ironic. And as it turns out, that is pretty well precisely when the buds turned out. They started developing their flowers in late September and in through October. We had, that's when I first discovered trichomes. 
and started understanding how the trichomes contain all of the cannabinoids and the terpenes and all the other components and realized that I, that's when I picked up my magnifying glass. It was 20 times, perhaps I could have gone with one lower, but it worked pretty well for me. And I was out checking the trichomes every day. My wife laughed about it because it's the first and only time she'd ever seen me spend that much time in the garden. <laughs> but it was quite fascinating to watch that trichome development. Crystal clear as they started forming on the sugar leaves and on the buds. And then as they developed, started to get a little milky. And I hung on. I hung on until they were all milky. Pretty well every single trichome that was visible was milky at the time we harvested. And then, you remember I talked about that one plant that, that grew the biggest. It was the scraggly guy that started out. We'd harvested about 80% of the crop, I guess. And what was left was that big plant. One remaining section of that, we'd harvested a lot of it already. But I wanted to let some of those trichomes go amber. I wanted to get a little bit more of the CBD development, because as I understand it, once the trichomes move from milky into the amber stage, the THC starts to go down and the CBD starts to go up. That's what I was looking for. But unfortunately, it was on a Friday night, I guess it was Saturday morning. I opened the back door, looked out at the garden, and that big, beautiful plant that still had a bunch of buds on it was no longer in the garden. There was one that had a few buds left on it as well, so there was really two plants left. <laughs> Disappointed, we went out and took a closer look at it and saw how amateurly these were stolen. That secondary plant that I had talked about that still had a fair amount of bud on it, it was just left sitting on top of the fence of our next-door neighbors. And then the big dirt clump that came from the other plant was on their sidewalk, which we cleaned up. And there were little parts of branches strung down the back alley as they left. I bet they thought that they could just take that away and start smoking it. So I truly hope they were disappointed. But that is the way our first grow, our test grow, went. That's how it ended up. Of course, I do understand that all of that, based on the current laws, and that those seeds were not from a legal source, that was illegal. Mm. Oh... We're not going to do that this year, though. We've already got our seeds on order, so we are ready. We are ready to grow our four legal cannabis plants. We've had a bit of experience. We're looking forward to the, the whole experience, trying to make sure that we're putting them in a place where they are not visible anywhere and can't be seen even you know, by somebody sporadically walking down the alley and taking a peek in the yard kind of thing, which I think is what happened to us last time. So are you planning to grow your own pot? Are you in an area of Canada that allows you to do that? If so, why don't you share some of your details with us? Send it to info at CannabisPodcast.com. Always like to hear what other people are doing. That's what our plans are. We are definitely going to be growing, and we're probably going to uh, try and do a couple of sativas and a couple of indicas, depending on the seeds that are available. Based on what I've seen, I think there's a little of each. That's our plan for growing cannabis in 2019. And I'm going to finish off the episode today with a discussion that is something local. Heard this on the local CBC affiliate this morning. Talking about the best Western hotel here in Kelowna, 
one of their properties has decided that they are going to ban cannabis from their entire properties. Ban cannabis from their entire property. This is their goal. I can't believe the absurdity. It's kind of these kind of things that make you realize there is still an incredible stigma out there. Now, according to the story on CBC This Morning, the reason that they are banning cannabis from their entire property, they are a family-oriented hotel. And they want to remain a family-oriented hotel. Like, that's implying that anybody who imbibes cannabis isn't a family-oriented person. What a load of crap. <laughs> there, I stopped myself. And the sidebar to that is their penalty for imbibing on cannabis anywhere in their property? A $1,000 fine. First of all, like a private organization can get away with fining you anything for something like that when you're on their property. Only the government can do that. And secondly, how absurd. How totally absurd to think that just because the people in this organization are family-oriented and have this reefer madness idea about what cannabis is, that they think they can just ban it outright from their facility. Now, I understand legally a private organization can decide anything that they want to be done on their property, but how absurd and how hypocritical. Close the bar on your facility if you're going to be banning cannabis from your facility. But no, that's not the way it works, is it? There is still so much stigma out there regarding cannabis, and that's why we all have to continue to fight this battle, put ourselves out there, make everybody aware that cannabis is not the dastardly weed that Reefer Madness made it out to be. That's a twist that I was not expecting when I heard that on the CBC this morning, and I will be advising everybody I know there's a thousand reasons for you to stay somewhere else. Now let's turn to a positive. <laughs> As we have concluded this episode, next week we're going to get back to another cultivar explain. See how easy that terminology is now falling into my normal pattern? I'm stop staying strain. The cultivar explain next week will be on another one from Broken Coast, another hand harvested, and this will be Ruxton. We'll do Ruxton from Broken Coast as our cultivar strain explorer. <laughs> you know, I put them both together as our cultivar explained next week. It will be Ruxton from Broken Coast. I hope you've enjoyed yourself on this, the 11th episode of the Cannabis Podcast. From the Cannabis Infused Studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.